Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars. How's everybody doing out there? Been a, been a two days. Uh, a lot of crises going on here, but we're making it through. But as I told someone, yeah, everything's only temporary. And put one foot in front of the other, the other foot in front of the other. You take it as it comes, and you're able to cope. Hope your day is doing well. Right, we're here a little bit later, and I would like to be. And here, who is texting me here? Nobody. I don't know. Got pings going all over the place. I mean, it's just as easy for them to chat to me on here, you know, right? I do have a chat box. Uh, anyway. I don't know. Do I call myself a safety shock jock or not after that uh, Monday program? I don't know. I'm confused. I don't even know if he was even talking about me, but he talked, you know, but anyway. Uh, so Jay Allen had something uh, to say on, uh, I believe it was yesterday. A lot of things that we should be shocked about. People criticize uh, the messenger, right? What they used to say uh, back in the day was shoot the messenger. And that goes back to ancient times where a courier would deliver a bad message and the emperor or the person in charge would kill the messenger and this is part of what the uh, this is part of what the uh, situation is out there alright so people uh, now Teddy Roosevelt said it's always easy for the people to take a shot at the no rhetorically and not real really right uh, people who are in the front right in the arena Easy to criticize. Now, critics, and you hear stuff about critics. Don't worry about the critics and everything else. Well, we don't really worry about the critics here. Really, uh, uh, no, if I'm going to, uh, I'm in front of all you folks out there. And believe me, it's, uh, I get surprised with some of the uh, folks that are out there. It's kind of hard to, uh, you know, if I had shame and if I had uh Apprehension, I probably wouldn't be doing this. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, you know, what's going on here. Now, let me get to the stories. I had a whole bunch of stories lined up here for today. Bear with me here. A lot of stuff going on out there. So, uh, let me start out with this. And I start out with a big idea, first thing. 
Some of the things that you need to be shocked at, Jay Allen had mentioned yesterday about being shocked to go into that there is still workplaces where you go into and there is a zero accident sign or something along those lines. We worked 70 hours on an accident, incident, and injury, and very rarely do those signs actually tell the truth. Why is that? Why do they? What's the issue here with telling the truth or not? Cover ups especially if there's an incentive program along with those. Uh, there is a very large company that we've all heard of who has gotten the hop presentation from multiple people. I've spent a lot of money getting those hop presentations, human and organizational performance uh, things. And where, uh, no, you go and you look at them and it's like, okay, why are You've gotten all of this stuff, but you're still doing the uh, safety statistic thing and beating people up on the safety statistics, and then, which is causing things to go not get reported. And then something really big happens. It's like, well, we well, had no idea with that. We had no idea that that was going to happen because they're looking here and something goes on happening there. There's one facility I know where somebody got a, a security contractor cut themselves on a filing cabinet. So, of course, who would the natural person to go after would be? What do you think? The painting contractor, the subsurface contractor, and everything else, rather than worrying about, you know, that sort of thing. No, getting, no. Then for six months, all we heard was, be careful of cutting your hand on a, a file cabinet. Okay. And then you go back and he's like, well, did that person have any training or anything like everybody else on the job? Uh, and as far as how to avoid hand injuries, wearing cut resistant gloves. Oh, none, none of this. And, you know, now you're concentrating on that, uh, on the things that really aren't going to matter. And then something major happens, a fall. Six months later, maybe you should have been looking at the fall. What, what's my point? A lot of these injuries are random and they get people off from things that may be a one-off type of situation versus things that happen all the time that maybe we should be concentrating on preventing. And the other thing is I saw recently a, uh, a safety pyramid, might have been on LinkedIn, where we have the hierarchy of controls, not the safety pyramid, but the hierarchy of controls. And we have at the top elimination and at the bottom PPE. We're all familiar with that. And there is a, uh, and I think I'm going to try this for my next presentation when I have to review an accident investigation. And they pointed out all of the focus on administration controls and PPE, administration, administrative controls. Basically, you're relying on the employee to make the right decisions and for a system to happen there and an employee being involved and people wearing the right PPE and everything versus, you know, too much concentrating on that and not too much concentrating on, on the top of that, which is eliminating hazards. We've seen that uh, before. I, I don't know how that would go over. So, I don't know. Here I am, the uh, shock shock. What's some of the other shocking things? So you have a procedure for, here's another shocking one. You have a procedure that says you're going to do X, Y, and Z. Something happens and you do the procedure X, Y, and Z. And they look at you like you're nuts. 
And then it's like, uh, am I, uh, you know, let's say it's an atmospheric hazard and you're out somewhere in the atmosphere and it indicates that you have an ex potential explosive atmosphere or you're over that commonly used standard and the confined space entry standard that's codified, but all the other standards adopted, you no, know, 10% of the lower explosive limit is a prohibited condition. You go and you report it. Well, what's the big deal? It's 10% of the lower explosive limit. Well, you know, that means that there may be a source somewhere where it might be 100% of the explosive limit or more, and you may be in the explosive range. Oh, what does that mean? It's like, well, what's your job? Well, oh, uh, I'm the safety guy. I never heard anything about the LEL. I'm responsible for safety here. Then you know, turn out that the guy went through, I don't know, they, it was like a donuts and uh, not to disparage some safety people, but the guy wasn't qualified to do the job. And the, this is a guy making decisions. Or how about this one? How about this one? You go and uh, you have uh, no sites like uh, all different plants. They have an emergency number. And they've drilled it into your head. Do not call 911. Call the emergency number for the site. That way we, can, we could uh, coordinate, uh, coordinate uh, uh, things, right? We could coordinate responses better and make the right notifications. And, you know, the police show up or fire or ambulance shows up. We know where to send them. Okay, that's all great. Well, you better call that number if there's an emergency. You call the number if, because there's an emergency. No one answers. Now what do you do? That's shocking. Happens all the time, my understanding. I have another shocking thing. People buying OSHA cards on the street. That's becoming my new pet peeve because this is something I, t I deal with routinely now. One of the projects we manage, you're required to have an OSHA 30-hour construction outreach course to get onto the project. And they hire contractors that come out there. And what do you know? Nobody has the OSHA. No, oh yeah, here's the card. And it's a legitimate card. So apparently. And then they don't know a lot of stuff that's covered in that class. There's no, so is it the quality of the class? Or is it that they're buying things on the street? I don't know. And we end up having to re, and again, OSHA outreach courses are awareness level. They're not a certification. I think this is where uh, Governor De, uh, Mayor de Blasio in New York screwed up when they made these requirements. Well, you have to take the OSHA 30-hour course to work on the Department of Buildings uh, uh, project. Okay, they, what happens? Everyone buys them. Not everyone, but a good chunk of people buy them. And you don't have to even pass an exam on that if you're... Uh, to get that credential. So now you get, now what's an employer to do? Now the employers are saying, well, I sent everybody out to the 30 hour course or I paid for it on the street. Now what do I do? Uh, my answer is always the same. That OSHA 30 hour course doesn't certify you in anything. Well, that's not what we were told. I said, well, then you were lied to. What do you want from me? It's just an awareness level. You show them on the website. That's an awareness level. And you get, and the employer is still responsible for all of that stuff getting uh, for the employee to know how to do their job safely. 
I say this after uh, three days of doing respiratory protection training for people with 30-hour cards who never had respirator training, apparently. We also had to talk about confined space entries and everything else. Anyway, hope you're, uh, yeah, I've had a rough week here. So uh, here we go. Uh, uh, so this was here. This is from a news release today. Federal court requires Fioria dentists to pay $20,000 in back wages to employee terminated after alleging unsafe work conditions. Investigators found uh, a dentist violated the whistleblower provisions of the OSH Act. The U.S. Department of, of Labor has obtained a judgment in federal court requiring a Peoria dentist to pay $20,000 in back wages for unlawfully terminating a dental assistant who complained about the risk of coronavirus uh, infection, refused a work assignment they believed to be at a risk for contracting coronavirus, and discussed workplace safety issues with coworkers. So this came out of uh, a U.S. district court from the Central District of Illinois. So what does it come down to? Like, this guy complained... Uh, uh, to the agents in March 2020, and, uh, right, uh, apparently, and he uh, was a long-term employee. The uh, dental assistant filed a, uh, was fired, and filed an OSHA complaint alleging the retaliation. What did end up happening? Uh, how much money did this cost? $20,000 in back wages. Now, this is what it comes down to. What a construction worker or someone who went through outreach training necessarily know about whistleblower protections? Well, they should. That's part of the curriculum. But what about all the other employers out there? Not everybody works in that type of industry. So if you're an employer, probably worth it to find out uh, how not only how to pay your taxes, but how to comply with OSHA regulations. U.S. Department of Labor and Alabama's builders, contractors form an alliance to make construction workplaces safer. How, right? And it, no references safe and sound. A uh, week we're going to have our safe and sound event at some of at our job sites tomorrow. Uh, we're doing that, and then what happens is you get a nice certificate once you register what you're doing, and it's to uh, recognize the successes of workplace health and safety programs and offers information and ideas on how to keep America's workers safe. So this year we're talking about mental health for Safe and Sound Week because of the uh, no, mental health. Now this one is for goes out to our supporter out there, Ian Punnett. Department of Labor, Norfolk Southern Corporation, Teamsters Railway Union, enter an agreement to enhance safety at East Palestine, Ohio derailment site. Settlement will monitor workers' health, ensuring training and resolve OSHA violations. After several U.S. Department of Labor safety and health investigations at the East Palestine, Ohio site where a Norfolk Southern Corporation train derailed in February, Trains operator has entered into a settlement agreement with the department's OSHA and the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division International Brotherhood of Teamsters. 
In response to a referral from the U.S. DOT, OSHA opened an enforcement inspection on March 2, 2023, to assess the union's concerns for the health and the workers rebuilding tracks and conducting safe conducting cleanup operations near the derailment site. Under the, under the terms of the settlement, Norfolk Southern agreed to do the following, implement a medical surveillance program for all affected employees who worked at the derailment site, provide union employees with 40 hours of HAZWAPR training, we know what that is, 1910-120 training, uh, for future derailments, create a training program on lessons learned from the Ohio derailment, pay penalties assessed by OSHA. Uh, this agreement will improve safety and health controls in place for Norfolk Southern employees who responded and helped and help educate the rail operators' employees on the lessons learned so they are prepared should another emergency occur. We are pleased by the collaborative effort, uh, safety and health efforts of Norfolk Southern Corporation, Brotherhood Maintenance of Way Employees Division, and contractors from the cleanup site who have been working together on the site remediation. OSHA will continue to work closely with the U.S. EPA, the Ohio EPA, and other federal and state and local officials to prevent workers' safety and health as cleanup operations continue. Okay, now these citations were issued last week here. What did they get them with? Let's see. And these are all proposed, right? 1910-120-Q1, an emergency response plan shall be developed and implemented. Those are $15,625. That was close to the maximum, I believe, with this. Uh, the plan shall address at a minimum the elements under 1910-120-Q2. Uh, so, certain things are not appropriately in place. Personnel roles, personnel roles lines of authority, training and communication, uh, site security and control, exclusion, contamination and reduction zones, things of that nation, and decontamination. Citation 1, item 2. Based on the hazardous substances and or conditions present, the individual in charge of the incident command system shall implement appropriate emergency operations and assure that PPE is worn and is appropriate for the hazards encountered. So they did not have appropriate, uh, specifically mentions chemical resistant footwear, 11,000. Uh, you know... Before I forget, I gotta send this over to Ian Punnett on the X app. So uh, we're probably gonna do a deeper dive here on this. Uh, All right. Uh, Citation one, item three B, the training shall be, and uh, serious, this was zero. Training shall be based on the duties of the function of reform. So we have to have training on this. Uh, and the subpart Q is for uh, specifically of that 1910-120 specifically is in about, about emergency response, roles and responsibilities and some procedures. And we have 1910-1200, this is HASCOM. Uh, violation 11,162. So for a grand total of $49,111. I assure you this is a drop in the bucket. Now, 
for uh, all the other costs with this. Now, why does OSHA issue these, these are relatively de minimis fines here for this? My opinion, my professional opinion. Why does OSHA go and issue these de minimis fines? Any guess on that? They issue these de minimis fines uh, to get a, an admission of guilt for any litigation out there. So now you have an admission of guilt. They're hoping to make these lowball these things often. So now they get an admission of guilt and it, it aids in any other uh, in any other litigation that they may find yourself in out there. So we're going to do uh, a little bit more in depth. We're going to repeat this story tomorrow as our main story uh, here. Uh, so we all have uh, job sites that are often uh, that are often uh, uh, unsecure at night, especially if you're dealing and uh, if you're dealing in uh, like an open site, like a construction site, maybe a uh, maybe a uh, uh, roadside site, something like that. So this is a story out of Brazil. A seven-year-old boy in Brazil died moments after he played in a pile of limestone powder, poisoning him as he breathed the powder into his lungs. And they have a picture of him on the website. This is from Fox News. And he was uh, waist-deep in the pile. He was smiling, giving a thumbs up to the camera. And apparently he uh, got a uh, IDLH, immediately dangerous life and health exposure here. With the limestone. Uh, that's what they're saying. Uh, I wonder how high it has to be for that. Let's see. Uh, Let's see. Not determined. According to the NIOSH chemical guide. Definitely a carcinogen, but uh, that's probably, that's not what killed them. Uh, Worker, woman under investigation after a poisonous mushroom meal killed her three former in-laws. Well, this was a question on social media uh, with uh, in the Star Trek world. Terry Farrell was married to Leonard Nimoy's uh, son. Forget his first name. I met him one time. And uh, now, now it's Leonard Nimoy who died in 2012, and they got married after 2012. Uh, is he technically her former father-in-law? I don't know. So under so I don't know. This is looks at it from the other side. But anyway, I digress. Again, season finale of Strange New Worlds tomorrow morning, three thirty in the morning. You know I'm watching it. Uh, woman under investigation after poisonous mushroom meal killed her former three former in-laws. Well, here's your offensive statement. Uh, out there, right? Well, famous last words. These mushrooms taste funny. That was one of my father's uh, best lines, funny uh, lines. A lunch turned deadly last week when three elderly people died after eating what police suspect were poisonous mushrooms at their former in-law's house. The meal at Erin Patterson's home in Victoria, Australia, led to four people falling ill. Her former in-laws, Gail and Don Patterson, Gail's sister, Heather Wilkinson, and her husband, Ian, reported to BBC. Aaron did not experience visible sy symptoms after the meal. I tell you what, this is uh, 
basically you get a your liver you die of liver toxicity and you know it's a very i mean it's not the way you want to go uh so uh they apparently uh one in and They uh, apparently went in and uh, they're, they're doing testing on the food in the house, right? Now, I tell you what, I'm up at uh, the Pozel cabin up in the deepest, darkest reaches in North Jersey, and there was a neighbor, our neighbor, picking mushrooms in the woods. And I said, hey, uh... I haven't seen anybody do that here in about 40 years. She says, oh, I do it all the time. We actually have a mushroom gathering club around the lake, and we go into the woods, and we gather mushrooms. I said, well, good luck. I said, with my luck, I'd pick uh, the destroying angel. And uh, apparently they're, uh, uh, in Australia, they have an issue with what are called death cap mushrooms. My wife was actually at one of her events and someone had a mushroom allergy. There were mushrooms in the food, unknowingly. Had a major situation there. Tongue went numb. That was the first sign that there was an allergic reaction. And the woman uh, ended up being saved and okay, but, uh, you know, it's an issue. First responder accounts, brutal assault while on the job as staffing shortages plague nation. More than one-third of EMTs quit their job in 2021 alone. One paramedic is still reeling from an unprovoked assault as first responders nationwide endure brutal assaults amid widespread staffing shortages. This was a lady out of Washington, D.C. She was attacked in 2020 uh, while responding to a call during the pandemic. And uh, her quote, she's quoted as saying, I responded to a medical call back. Uh, in July of 2020, and they got jumped. Uh, everyone started fighting uh, and everything else. I mean, it's, uh, you know, going in there. Uh, apparently, it always was an issue, right? And this is leading to 36% of EMTs stepping down in their roles and prompting a shortage of emergency officials. So, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about before. If you're at a facility and they say use the emergency number and no one's met that emergency number, what the hell are you going to do? That's going to be our conversation tomorrow at this site. What do you do? You got to have a conversation. What do we do if no one's out on the phone? There is a procedure for that. UK researchers use AI model to record keystrokes with over with accuracy over ninety percent. Uh, AI model accuracy potential cyber attacks rejected to increase. Author says researchers in the UK have used artificial intelligence technology to record the sound of keystrokes with surprising accuracy. The a recent study reportedly published as part of the IEEE European Symposium on Security and Privacy Workshops simulated a cyber attack in which a deep learning model classified laptop keystrokes using audio from the video conferencing platform Zoom and a smartphone integrated microphone. So basically, I'm here typing things like I often do. Does that even come up on the microphone? I'll tell you in a minute. 
Yes, it does come up on the microphone. You're able, actually able to uh, find out what people are uh, typing. Hmm. Incredible. Uh, no. Uh, my laptops have biometric uh, scanning, so I use it because I can't remember passwords. I got to write them down. New influencer trying to confront mental health crisis, suicide, as users tune into fake life, right? Uh, project, projecting perfection. Humane technologist warns that new influencer trend can damage kids' mental health. Artificial intelligence powers social media influencers are creating, created to look like perfect people living a perfect life. Sticks. It's like, sticks? What the hell are you talking about? Sticks. That rock group. And they're still out there. Different lead singer, the original singer, Dennis DeYoung, one of them, left the group. Now they have a new guy in. Well, new guy in for 20 years, right? 30 years, maybe, at this point. Had a song. Welcome to the Grand Illusion. Come on in and see what's happening. And it goes through and through. Don't be fooled by the radio, TV, or the magazines. Some needs to be updated, maybe. They'll show you photographs of what your life could be. But that is someone else's fantasy. 30 years later, 40 years, maybe, right? Coming on the, uh, from the Grand Illusion album. They had this peg because then it was just magazines, TV, radio. Projecting a perfect life. I end up telling my children, don't believe what you see on TV. Don't believe what you see on the internet. Don't believe what you see on social media. Media, that is your best. That is your best. Face that everybody puts on. That's their best face. I had a friend who was an event and meeting planner at a very prestigious club in uh, New York City, the Metropolitan Club. Very exclusive club. You captains of industries. We're talking like the Gettys go there and everything else from my understanding. And no, on that level, right? Billionaires. Millionaires. And my friend there said, oh, look. They're, they're living it up, living La Vida Loco, a little dated song there, and another song reference. And they're out there screaming and yelling, and oh, they have a wonderful time. And she was jealous of them. And I said to her, she wouldn't, I don't want to say jealous, but she was making an observation. Maybe that's too harsh of a word. I kind of learned not to be so harsh. And I said, you don't see these folks and how they had to struggle to get to that point, have you? Yeah, they look like they're having fun here. Maybe those people are working 60, 70-hour weeks. How do you know? Maybe there's no, and I'll use the buzzword, work-life balance with those folks. Right, and you can understand, and I and I've already heard it with my kids. Well, I'm not as good as, and I don't see. Other, I said, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Those are all produced, edited. Unlike Safety Worlds, where we're we do very little editing here. Something you need to watch out for. 
At least now, this is one of our main stories. There are at least six dead from a raging Hawaiian wildfire through by a Hurricane Dora and high pressure. So her, the hurricane passed 600, 500 miles south of Hawaii, but there were gusty winds all over the place. I mean, this is horrible. Six people died, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's, uh, it's going to go more higher than that. People running into the sea to try to to escape uh, flames, reportedly, all different types of uh, uh, Coast Guard res- rescues and everything else. Uh, pro- they've exceeded the uh, the capacity for them to fight the fire there in Hawaii. Now. Uh, I tell you what, we send out our thoughts, prayers, and everything else there uh, with the wildfires. 15-year-old high school football player tragically dies after a tree falls on him during a severe storm. So I was, uh, I mean, uh, it's a shame here, but this is one of those things that could happen. I know on at our house, uh, when we first bought it uh, a number of years ago, we had a windstorm, knocked down a whole bunch of tree branches on the front lawn. Guess what? Two months later, we didn't have any trees on the front lawn. Last thing that I need is something falling on something, somebody. Well, again, part of the safety uh, war. Have your trees inspected by a qualified uh, horticulturist or arborist out there. Someone qualified. Uh, and happened uh, to someone I know uh, recently where uh, they were going to put their boat in the water and he held off on putting his boat in the water. And then we had that freak storm here. And guess what? Had he put the boat in the water, the boat would have been sunk because a tree landed right where he put the boat. But normally puts the boat. Uh, so uh, a large tree was uprooted in... This uh, uh, young man, even Killy's uh, grandparents' driveway, and uh, fell on him. Right, fifteen-year-year-old uh, kid. It's a shame. Pope. Uh, and this is from August 8th. Yes, a Pope issues warning on artificial intelligence and fears logic of violence. Logic is a dangerous thing because it can be used to justify just about anything. Pope Francis issued a warning on artificial intelligence Tuesday, urging those behind the technology to be vigilant during their work. Pope made this statement in his message marking New Year's Day in which the Vatican traditionally releases far in advance. Francis, 86, has joked in the past that he's far from technologically savvy, but said Tuesday that AI must be used in a responsible way. We talked about this here. Uh, One of my best friends is a data scientist, and we were having this conversation the other day on this. People not realizing the limits of this and relying on it a little bit too much. How do I use it? By the way, I I did a presentation a couple of weeks ago for one of my clients with this with AI and how to use it in safety uh, applications. I said you got to know what the right questions to ask, right? With this, then you get the right answers. 
I mean, it's incredible technology, but it's been known to give you wrong answers. The way things are set up. Probabilities that this is probably the right answer. There was a story last week where we covered where AI is getting worse and worse on math. So let's do a little experiment here. Right, so the Pope is worried about AI. Let's go to commercial break while I set this up because I'm going to point, uh, point something out to any religious leader out there. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA Recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. We get a lot of uh, comments on that. So here I have uh, chat uh, OpenAI right there thing on their free side here. And I'm going to go and... Let's approve a point here. Uh, I'm going to go to the daily readings of for uh, scripture in uh, for the Catholic Church. I have learned my lesson and not to show this kind of stuff here because there's no telling what you're going to get on here. So the daily Bible reading today from the United States Conference of uh, Catholic Bishops is uh, Numbers thirteen one, th- Numbers chapter thirteen, uh, verses one and two, and I'm not going to read uh, all of it here for you because this is not a religious program per se, even though we do talk about it. So I'm going to copy the this. We're going to put it right into the uh, chat GPT box, right? Paste. And I'm going to put it on Catholic view, Catholic homily. 
And it's uh, putting it out there, right? And it's going through. Okay. So here's the uh, homily. Here. I won't read the whole homily. Well, maybe I was short enough. So this is a Numbers chapter 13, 1 to 2. Uh, chapter 13. And this is a Catholic homily. In this passage from the book of Numbers, we witness the faith journey of the Israelites as they stand at the threshold of the promised land. God, through Moses, commands 12 spies to explore the land he intends to give them. These spies return with a mixed report. While they acknowledge the land's abundance, they also express fear. And going on and on and on. Okay, this is the crux. The response of the people to these conflicting reports teaches us a crucial lesson about the power of perspective. Hey, maybe this is, could be a hop right discussion here. Negativity and doubt can spread like wildfire and lead us away from God's intentions for us. The consequences of such doubt were severe for the Israelites as they were sentenced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. In our lives, too, we are often presented with choices to focus on challenges or to trust in God's providence. This passage invites us to be like Caleb and Joshua embracing the challenges with faith and reminding us that God is always with us. Let us choose to be people unwavering faith. Uh, confident that God's promises will lead us to the promised land he has prepared for us. And it goes on. All right, this is from the Catholic point of view, uh, according to chat, right, the AI. So here we have the Pope worried about uh, this stuff, right? Uh, the urgent need to orient the concept, this is a, quote, and use artificial intelligence in a responsible way so they may be at the service to humanity. This is what the uh, what my question is to the Pope, and I'm saying that was uh, saying uh, this also, is that, uh, right, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are going to be out of work with this, and some of them may be clergy. Because I tell you what, I can sit here, and I can do the Lutheran perspective to this also, right? I can do the uh, uh, right. Baptist on here, and. A little bit different. You could get, you know, different things. We're all being out, uh, going to be, uh, right, uh, right, uh, out of a job here. Safety professionals, talk show hosts, and everything. We're talking about this now. How many advertisements do you get uh, if you're a person like me uh, on, hey, we can have AI design your training program and present it? Happens out there all the time. Okay. Where else do we want to go here? California bills would extend and extend COVID era online government meeting options. So, uh, keeping people out of the office, basically. That's all I'm going to have for tonight. So I hope to be with you tomorrow night. Uh, this wasn't that exciting. I get it. But uh, we're working on it. 
So uh, we will do a program probably on East Palestine uh, issues uh, tomorrow, and uh, we'll go from there. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.